and see what it means uh, to be a good friend, to see what it means to, um, uh, to be, be there for people who, who are hurting and who are grieving God. Jim, I pray. Amen. All right, so this is our series with you. So the goal of this next few weeks, it's pretty simple. Of course, we're not meeting next week. In case you guys forgot, of course, it's spring break. Um, most of us will be gone because we love Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody probably loves Jesus, maybe, hopefully. Uh, but not everybody's going. Um, so we're not having anything next week. But So for this week and then the three weeks following spring break, um, our goal is to kind of talk about what it means, again, just a little bit more about what it means to be a friend. When a friend is having a hard time, we want to figure out how to be be there for our friends, right? Has anybody ever had a friend who's just experienced something pretty hard in their life? Yeah? And so we want to know, you know, as a friend, we want to like, how can I be there for you? What can I do? What can I say? What am I, what should I do for you if, when you're experiencing this? And that's kind of what tonight's is especially. And that starts with something called emotional intelligence. Everybody in this room is intelligent, of course, right? Maybe some more than others. But there are, there are different kinds of intelligences. Um, you can be intelligent about music or about language um, or math or athletics or, or whatever. Uh, but not everybody, though, is smart when it comes to emotions, especially those emotions that, that other people express. Because sometimes some, some people's emotions can be easy to read, right? Some people, we see them and we know, oh, they're they're upset, oh, they're hurting, you know, we can see them in other people. Sometimes it might take a little bit more effort to kind of see what, what they're going through, what they're feeling. Did you know that scientists used to believe, back in the day, there used to be only six emotions, okay? So whenever the scientists first kind of talked about emotions, they, were, they said a long time ago, there were only six. But now, does anybody have any idea how many emotions there are? 174 is not close. So it's, that's not that high. It is, you're close, 27. 27 distinct emotions, but within, you know, emotions, there are some that, that can kind of bundle together. Like there are emotions like admiration, adoration, aesthetic appreciation is one that they have, amusement, anxiety, awe, awkwardness. And those are just the ones that start with letter A. There's 27 of these. But emotions are complicated because take take. The emotion of grief, for example, which we feel when we experience the loss of someone or something that matters to us. Grief is not one of the 27 emotions, because it's actually it's a combination of a lot of emotions. Sadness, fear, confusion, nostalgia, anxiety, and more. So, you know, so grief isn't just one emotion, it's, it's a combination of several, so it's kind of hard to kind of work through that. When a friend is experiencing all those feelings at once, it's understandable that you might have feelings of your own, like sympathy or anxiety, awkwardness, confusion, and other ones, right? So when a friend is grieving, you don't always know what to say or to do, and you definitely don't want to say or do the wrong thing that can maybe just make them even more upset. You know, should you call them? Should you give them space? Should you act sad? Should you try to make them laugh? You know, say something, not say anything. It's, it's, we want to make sure we know what we're saying that we're doing is going to make a difference, right? When my dad died, I had people tell me, oh, it was, it was just your dad's time. Oh, God needed another angel in heaven. Just, okay, this is a Greek theological word. That's baloney, okay? 
That's not, none of that is true. God didn't just, I, mean, I, guess, I guess it was his time, but I mean, God didn't need another angel, right? That, okay, in case you guys don't know this, when we die, we don't become angels, okay? If, I, if you thought that we did, we don't, okay? That's not in the Bible. Um, well, I know God is good. Telling me these things in the aftermath of my dad dying unexpectedly did not do anything to make me feel better, right? It didn't do anything to make me feel better, make me happy, or whatever. Um, I, I, I did, and then I uh, did my dad's funeral service, which is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, and had people tell me afterward, man, your dad sure was smiling down on you today from heaven. I'm like, no, I, I don't think so. My dad is in heaven. He, you know, care about me. He's, he's in front of God Almighty. That is who is worth everything, not me. He's a little preoccupied, a little busy to be looking down on me doing a funeral. Right? Um, and while they were trying to be helpful, they weren't. Because when somebody's experiencing loss, whether a loved one who passed away, a broken relationship, whatever it is, people usually mean well when they say these things. But sometimes they say the wrong things like, you know, God needed an angel. Everything happens for a reason. God will never give you more than you can handle. Again, that's baloney. That's not in the Bible. Oh, there are plenty of fish in the sea. When God closes one door, he opens a window. Or, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. With great power comes great response. No, that's not a realm. Um, you know, or like, I know exactly how you feel, followed by a story that completely makes no sense to how you feel, Right? I think they mean well, but it, it, it doesn't really do anything. When somebody's grieving, why do you think that these statements aren't really helpful? What do you guys think? They're overused? Yeah. What else? Why are, why are some of those statements maybe not quite so helpful? Everybody grieves the same? Yeah. When somebody's grieving, comments like these can be hurtful because they minimize a person's pain or try to rush them to just, just get over it already, right? So if we want to be people who love God by loving others well, we've got to figure out how to love others when they're grieving. The Bible's full of clear guidance and wisdom about how to love God and others, but the Bible is full of stories that show us what not to do as well. One of these stories is about a dude named Job. Job is the guy that's almost naked there on the ground, um, followed by his, or surrounded by his three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Okay? Job is the main character of the Old Testament book. Can anybody guess the name? Job. Okay? It's the Old Testament book, Job. It's actually the very first book in the Bible that was ever written down. Like it actually, the, the, the writing copies we have of the book of Job is actually older than copies of the book of Genesis and the rest of the Tour, the first five books. So Job was the first book ever written down in the Bible. And so this dude named Job, he had it all. He had, he had a wife. He had ten kids, which is a lot. He had a ton of animals. He had a bunch of land. He was super rich. He was happy. He was wealthy. And he loved God. Then suddenly everything was taken away from Job. Anybody know the song, Blessed Be Your Name? Anybody remember that song? It's an old worship song, Blessed Be Your Name. That is actually written from the book of Job, if you guys ever noticed that. In chapter 1, um, it's like the, the chorus of the song is what Job is, is saying there. But everything was taken away from Job. His animals were either stolen or killed. That's not a good thing. All of his children died in a natural disaster. 
I can't imagine as a parent having your 10 kids die like that. I, I can't begin to fathom what that would be like. He got sick with horrible sores and boils all over his body. His only remaining family member, his wife, told him just to give up and to curse God and die. And then his friends showed up and they began to lecture him as well. You know, all these things that happened to Job. While Job was grieving, his friends gave long speeches telling him what to do. They were making assumptions about his character and making judgments about why God let this happen to Job. And God eventually spoke and said Job's friends needed to stop talking. And Job said this in Job 16, 2, I have heard many such things, miserable comforters are you all. That's not a good thing to say to somebody who's trying to comfort you. I mean, you guys suck at this comforting thing. That's basically what he's telling these guys. You guys are horrible at this. Y'all need to stop. But Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar didn't have it all wrong. Before the lectures and misinformed speeches, actually did a few things right. Here's Job chapter 2. Now when Job's three friends heard of this, of all this evil that had come upon him that came, each from his own place, Eliphaz, the Timonite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite, they made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. They raised their voices and wept. They tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. So when Job's friends first heard about his troubles, they, first thing they did is they, they sympathized with Job. They had compassion for Job when he was hurting. They actually cared for, what he was, for him and for what he was going through. So they sympathized with him. And then they worked together. Together, those three guys made plans to comfort their friend. They knew their friend. They knew each other. They knew they shouldn't be alone. So they worked together to find a way to comfort him. And then they showed up for Job. They cared enough about Job to make the trip to see him. Remember, they didn't have cars back then. Israel is very hilly, very rocky. And they made their way over there. They made this trip to, to see him. And it took some time and some effort on their part. And the last thing is they, they emphasized, they, or sorry, they empathized with Job. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar didn't simply show Job sympathy. They went the extra mile and showed him empathy. In case you know what empathy is, empathy isn't just feeling bad for somebody. It's feeling their feelings with them either because you've experienced those same feelings before, you know what they're going through, or because you're just trying to put yourself in their shoes. That's what empathy is. Either, you know, knowing what they're going through because you've experienced it, because you're trying to put your, your feet in their own shoes, right? In our culture, we're not accustomed to tearing our clothes or sprinkling dust on our heads when we're grieving. That's not what we do when we grieve, right? But we could see how affected Job's friends were. And although the, the catastrophes that happened to Job hadn't happened to them, they made Job's pain their pain. So Job's friends sat with him for an entire week. They were patient because they knew grief is not a quick process. I mean, just think about it. He lost his, all ten kids, all of his animals, his house. His body was hurting. That's, that's a lot to deal with and not a lot of time. They were silent. They knew Job's pain couldn't be fixed with a few kind words. So they didn't speak, at least, at least not for a while. And then they eventually spoke. This is probably difficult 
They seemed to know Job's circumstances were so overwhelming for Job that there were no words that could capture exactly what was happening. You know, I've had to experience it and talk to some kids over the years through, through death of loved ones and things, and, it's, and it, one of the things I just do is just be there and just sit. Sometimes that's what they need is just somebody there to sit. And, you know, there's not really any words I can say and things I can do to really make things any better. Later, God would correct Job's friends for all the words that they said after that first week. But God never corrected them for being present, sitting nearby, or simply being there with their friend. So I did correct them for some of the things they said at the end. He didn't correct them for being there and just being a good friend. Because if somebody's grieving, they don't need us to lecture them or correct them or try to quickly fix it. They need us just to be with them like God is with us. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I want you guys maybe to memorize that verse or look at it. Something, that's kind of a big deal. How many of you guys have ever just been hurting before? Anybody? Not like maybe, I mean just emotional, maybe something happened to you or you're going through something, but the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. It's kind of, that's a good news. There's a Jewish tradition inspired by the story of Job and his friends. It's called the Sitting Shiva. And in this, in this tradition, after a funeral, the friends and family of those who are grieving live with and they care for them just for, for seven days. Depending on the family, Sitting Shiva might include traditions like sitting on low stools um, and, and, while Job's on the ground. Uh, washing their hands before and in their house, lighting the same candle for seven days straight, covering all the mirrors, whatever. There were different traditions, different ways, different ways family would grieve together. But the purpose is always to make sure people who are grieving were never alone in their grief. So what it looked like for you and I to show up for our friends when they're grieving the loss of somebody or something that really matters to them? Instead of avoiding awkwardness and hoping our friends will just get over it, how can we show them how much we care about them? How can we make their loss our loss? How can we be with people when they're grieving? So that was, I think it was a Friday when he passed away. We drove from Houston up here, did the funeral. I think I drove, the funeral thing was on Tuesday. And then Wednesday I drove back to Houston. We got there probably about, I guess about 6.30, about this time. Just in time for me to walk in in the middle of uh, the normal Wednesday night youth Bible study. And so it was refreshing just to be near my adults, near my students. Um, and they didn't try to offer words. They just were there for me. And, and that's, what, that's what we need to be, just to be with people uh, when they're grieving. Because it can be pretty uncomfortable to be with people during one of the worst moments of life. But the thing is, it's worth it. When we show up for our friends who are grieving, our friends can see God's love and care for them through our love and care for them, right? They can see God in those actions. We get to see God at work in our friend's life and what, what God is doing. And God can work not only through us, but God can work in us as well. As God's Spirit helps us become more compassionate, more patient, more selfless, and more loving. So with a practice and God's help, we can learn how to be the kind a friend our friends need when they're going through something challenging. And wouldn't it be great if we could learn that now before our friends really need us? 
that we learn how to do these things, how to be a good friend, to be with someone when they're grieving before they are actually grieving. That way we know kind of what to do when that situation comes. Because life sucks, our friends are going to grieve, and we need to be there for them. Because grieving does look different for everybody. Make a mention that while I go. Grieving looks different for everybody. There's not one correct way to be with a friend who's grieving, but, but here's a start. Here's a few things you guys can do. When a friend is grieving, just let them know that you're there. You don't even have to talk to them. Just let them know you're there through your words, through your actions. Maybe offer them a ride to church or to school, ask them to want to hang out, send a text, go get coffee together, whatever. You know, get maybe a few of your friends together, like Job's friends did, and just help your friend feel less alone in that time. The thing you can do is just to listen. They may not want to talk about what's going on, but when they do, they try not to interrupt. I remember whenever uh, my house burned down, I stayed for a few days at my best friend Nathan's house. The first, I remember the first night, we didn't probably go to sleep until probably 3.30 or 4 the next morning. Um, we were just you know, in the shock of losing something like that. We were just telling stories of things that we did and memories that I had growing up and those kind of things. He didn't, you know, he offered a few stories of his own and stuff, but he was there and he just listened to the things that I had to say and the memories that I had to say. And I was able to reciprocate that whenever his brother committed suicide a few years later. Being able to just to, to listen to him tell stories about his brother and, and just to be that person for him. So maybe just, just to listen. Don't, you don't have to say anything, just be there and listen. The thing is, is to, to be patient. Your friend may need your support for days, for weeks, maybe even years. What they need from you may look different over time as their grief eases. Uh, but keep checking in with your friend as time goes on. You know, they don't seem as sad as they did at the beginning. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't mean that they're not still grieving if it's not, they're not grieving the same because you have the different stages of grief and those kind of things. So they may just be grieving in a different way and just be patient with how they're dealing with things. Maybe even remember important dates. Your friend may be sad around big anniversaries like when they're their loved one died or, or whatever. Be, you know, be mindful of those, those things. So do things to make a life just a little less stressful that day. Maybe pick up their homework for them, bake them some cookies, write a card. Um, you know, or maybe even talk to a teacher. You know, if you have class together and maybe go to their, you know, you know who the teachers are. Say, hey, if you're not aware of this, this, is, this happened on this date. And so my friend may need a little extra help today just be mindful of that. You know, something even like simple like that. Remember those important dates. The fourth one is to take care of yourself. When a friend is grieving, remember the man have outbursts or mood swings that are not about you. Try not to take those kind of things personally. And talk about how you're feeling with the trusted adult and make sure you have the support that you need in order to support your friend in the way that they need. So what Job's friends got right was being willing to sit with Job without saying a word because that's that's what Job needed in that moment. As we get ready to go to small groups in a minute and then you leave here in just a little bit, um, think about how equipped you are just to sit and to be with your friends when they need you. You may be thinking, this, sound, this sounds good in theory, but there's one problem. I don't, I don't have anybody, any friends who would come to me or who I could even go to during time of crisis. And if that's you, I, I get it. Uh, I've had time, times in my life when I felt that way too. Making and keeping friends isn't easy for everybody all the time. But maybe if you feel a little friendless right now, remember it won't always feel this way. 
Whether you feel this way or not, I want to challenge you all to start thinking of each other like this as a community that you guys can rely on. These are your brothers, these are your sisters, these are people that you hopefully can rely on in times when you're grieving. And we need to be the kind of people who care for each other and look out for each other. I mean, every week it's just, I look out and the, the seating is always the same. We have our little pockets of friends, our little pocket groups. We don't do a lot with each other. and I think that needs to change. I think we need to see that we are one group, not four, five, six different small groups. We are, in fact, one community, one body of believers with one common goal. I mean, we the kind of people who care for each other, look out for each other, keep an eye out for people in this group who may be searching for friends or someone to talk to and start building those relationships with those people. People who may sit alone, be their friend. This, is, this needs to be the place that they can go and have that kind of community. No matter your situation right now, ask yourself, how aware am I of the feelings of my friends and family? How, how aware am I of what they're going through and how they're feeling? How comfortable am I with reaching out when somebody needs support? When I see that they're hurting, do I, do I say anything? Do I reach out and tell them I'm there, or do I not say anything? How comfortable am I with listening to people and not needing to respond? A lot of times we listen, just listen enough to respond with what we're going to say next. How comfortable am I with silence? Because they may not want to talk, they may just want to sit there, and you may just have to sit there with them and be quiet. You know, ask yourself, who, who do I know that's grieving? Who do I know that's hurting? What would, that, what would it look like just to be with that person? If you want someone to know God is with them, we need to be with them too. So this week, a few more days of school before you go to spring break, I, I hope that you'll go out of your way to be with somebody when they're grieving, because we all know somebody who's going through some stuff, who's hurting, so go out of your way to be with them and just to, to be the friend that, that God is asking you to be. Let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll split up. God, may we just be observing those people in our lives who are hurting, who are um, going through some stuff. May we, uh, may we be there for them. May we, may we listen. May we just... Um, sit there. May we just show them that we care. God, may we empathize with them and, and feel what they're feeling, God. May we show them uh, your love through those actions. May you um, reveal those kind of situations and those things for us this week where our friends are grieving and are hurting. God, may we just show us those things. May we be receptive to those. And may we truly um, live a life that makes a difference, God. Share my prayer. Amen.